Praise God. All right. Uh, this morning I would like to speak to you about taming your tongue and prophesying your own future. Um, on uh, the first Sunday of the year, uh, the title of the message was that we can face our future fearlessly. Uh, and of course, last week, as we already heard, we had uh, Richard Brown with us and he brought an excellent word and wow, how good that was. And this morning, I would like to carry on. You know, this is the beginning of the year and this year that lies ahead of us is part of our future. Uh, God needs us to understand certain things. Uh, God wants this year to be a good year for us, but it is not so much the decision that God makes. God's already made up his mind that he wants to give us a good future, but we have to cooperate with God. We've got to do certain things uh, that we, uh, in, in order for our year to be a good year and then on into the next year. And should Jesus tarry and not come this year or next year, on into the following year and so forth. So the title of this morning's message is Tame Your Tongue and Prophesy Your Own Future. You know, God's given us the ability to determine the direction of our lives by the words that we speak. It's very powerful. Many people do not realize that they are, in fact, prophesying their own future uh, by the words that they speak. And, you know, to some, to some extent, the title is somewhat misleading here when we talk about prophesying your own future. Because the reality is everybody prophesies their own future all the time. We are the prophet of our own lives. And the things that we say have somehow a way of coming to pass. Whatever we say consistently comes to pass. Good or bad, we get what we say. Uh, and so I would like to start by reading uh, a few passages, a few verses out of the book of Proverbs. By the way, Proverbs is filled with, uh, with scriptures rela relating to the words that we speak, the power of our tongue, and so forth. And uh, for some of you, this is not a new message, but for others of you, it's like, oh, I haven't heard this before. Uh, and so I'd encourage you to just get a hold of something here this morning, and let's remind ourselves that much of what we experience this year will have to do with the words that we have spoken and the words that we will speak. Uh, and so here in Proverbs chapter 12, verse 14, it says, A man will be satisfied with good by the words of his mouth. Now let me stop right there and just say this is very, very powerful. A man will be satisfied by the words of his mouth. People that don't understand, they'll say, well, what, what do words have to do? But the Bible tells us that we are satisfied by the words of uh, of our mouth. And it says, and the work of a man's hands will reward him. So it's not like all we have to do is speak. We do have to work. All right. So it's not like all one or the other. Uh, but you know, many people know that in order to get ahead in life that they need to work and that's a good thing and, and so forth. But you know, we need to watch the words of our mouth. In Proverbs 12 verse 18, it says, there is one who speaks like the piercings of a sword but the tongue of the wise promotes health. Um, and so uh, it's interesting, but it tells us here that words can be like a dagger, like a sword. And not only can we poke other people with it, we can poke ourselves with it. We can injure ourselves with the words of the mouth that we speak. But it says here, but it says the tongue of the wise promotes health. So people haven't, uh, unless this is taught, a lot of people have no comprehension that the health in our body and our tongue are hooked together. That's right, so what it's telling us here. It says that the tongue of the wise promotes health. So if I can promote health with the words of my mouth, with my tongue, I can actually hinder health 
with the words of my mouth. And then in Proverbs 21, verse 23, this is in the message translation, it says, watch your words and hold your tongue. You'll save yourself a lot of grief. <laughs> You'll save yourself a lot of grief. Do you know what? This is especially true in the area of relationships. But it is true, in fact, in all areas of our lives. In the area of relationships, we can understand. It's like, oh, that's right. That's right. There was a breakdown in this relationship. I said something I shouldn't have said, and that was the result of it. Or they said something that they shouldn't have said, and there was a, a problems in the relationship. We can relate to that. But you know what? The reality is it works in all areas of our lives. You know, it's interesting just having family stay with us, and we're just so thrilled uh, with what's happening uh, giving me the ability to, to, to kind of communicate with them uh, before we had the baptism, uh, water baptism up along the coast there. And of course, uh, the two that uh, my, my brother, the younger one, I led him to the Lord many years ago. Um, and, uh, but his wife got born again uh, this time and were able to water baptize the both of them. So as I took them through the whole preparation process, uh, all the others were there as well, and it gave them something to think about. And, uh, you know, it's not over. Uh, there is still the work of the Lord is ongoing. But here's an interesting comment that one of my brothers said. He said, look, he says, I'm amazed, he says, you know, with you and your family coming around, you've got something very special going on here. Uh, this is like amazing. Um, you know, sometimes you don't realize that, uh, that what you experience could be a little bit out of the common or out of the ordinary. You, all we know is what we know. But anyway, he noted this. Look, this is not entirely common. He says, you've got something very special here. And I had a little think about it. And I said, look, it's actually quite simple. He says, uh, I say, it's quite simple. Uh, you know, prepare some food, nice food and lots of it. Uh, and people will come. <laughs> that's just part of the secret. But it says when they come, you've got to be nice to them. Oh, you've got to be nice to them. And, 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 and just a, a two-step process. Make food, lots of it, nice food. And when people come, be nice to them. And then people will always be around. Uh, praise God. Where's all my kids? <laughs> Hallelujah. So speak nice words, you know, just, just be friendly and, 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 and not a time to beat up on people and uh, just, uh, just be nice to people. Anyway, some of you are more excited than others. So let me just move on. <laughs> you know, most of our troubles stem back to troublesome words that we have spoken somewhere in our past. Somehow it has a way of catching up with us in our future. The past and the future are somewhat connected together in the sense that the words that we speak back here, they catch up with us over there. So if we speak words of trouble back here, they have a way of swinging back into our lives in the future. Uh, and so it pays to speak good words. It pays to speak right words. Um, in Proverbs 19 verse 11, it says, and again, the message translation, it says, smart people know how to hold their tongue. Their grandeur is to forgive and to forget. And you know what? Sometimes it's just good to just certain things, just let it go and forget. Don't let what's happened affect the words of the mouth that you speak, and particularly ongoing ongoing, but sometimes they go, oh, you know, I got upset and I said something, I shouldn't have said it, but I've moved on since. But when things go on and on and on, that surely messes up our lives. I was just laughing with my brother. We're traveling around a bit, and, uh, and uh, 
the younger one is, uh, um, I mean, he's older than me, but he's the younger one out of the two. He's sitting next to me, and the other one is sitting behind. And, and uh, my, 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 one of my brothers, he, he drives uh, trucks. In fact, he drives these fuel tankers, uh, 40 tons of highly flammable fuel, uh, and that's what he does for a living. And, uh, you know, him and I, <laughs> we have a little pet uh, annoyance uh, uh, that we share. And the pet annoyance is when we drive along and uh, you want to move and, you know, you got a two-lane highway and you got slow people driving in the fast lane. That's one of our pet annoyances. Uh, so we kind of shared, we compared notes on that one and uh, had a little bit of fun. Uh, and... Uh, you know, I've decided that when I become prime minister, um, there will be a law uh, that fast people, uh, that slow people need to drive in the slow lane. And if they break the law and they get into the fast lane, you know, sometimes it's amazing how it works. You know, you've got nobody on the road. You've got one guy traveling a mile. By the time you catch up with him, he's the only one on the road. He drives slow, but he's in the fast lane and he's in his own world. So we have decided that we was going to make a contraption. Uh, it'll be at least the size of a truck. Um, it'll have two uh, kind of arms where you can drive over the top of them, pick them up, uh, so their, wins, their wheels are just spinning now. They're no longer uh, in control. And you know, years ago, I, de I, I decided that when I become prime minister, I was just going to lock them up for a day uh, for each mile that they drive slow in the fast lane. Uh, in the meantime, I've decided that I was going to make an amendment to the law, and we're going to lock up their car as well. So we're going to lock them up in the car. There will be prisons for both cars and people. Um, and one day, we <laughs> anyway, I'm just having a little bit of fun with you this morning. But you know what? We need to be careful that, that our words of things that annoy us and things that bug us, it's okay to have a little fun. But if we allow these things to affect us in our spirit and to begin to say things ongoing, we need to be very careful uh, because it'll begin to affect our lives in a negative sort of a way. In the meantime, of course, I want you to know that I love everybody that drives on the road, fast or slow. Oh, I love everybody. Wise people are very purposeful about the words that they speak. They choose their words wisely, and they refuse to speak certain words altogether. Do you know, do you realize that we all know people who are actually very good with their words, and you virtually never hear them saying things out of place? And, you know, we might be tempted to think, wow, this is amazing. You know, like, like, uh, like they, uh, they can't think of anything bad. Well, no, they can think of bad things. Everybody can think of bad things. But they've just somewhere decided they're not going to speak their mind. And we need to learn to not just speak our mind continually. Certain things, you know, the word here is hold your tongue. Hold your tongue. Uh, you know, that's an old English um, way of saying, just shut up. Stop. Don't say that. It's not good. You know, we, we say it, and, and then we might feel better immediately afterwards, but down the track, you know, it's like, you know, the Bible speaks of a certain thing that's happening when we speak words. It says it ends up like gravel in the mouth. It's like, uh, you know, it's just not a good situation. So wise people, smart people know how to hold their tongue. Uh, it's easier they grand there is to forgive and to forget. You know what, if, uh, if it were not possible for us to forgive and forget, 
then God shouldn't tell us to forgive and forget. But God knows what's possible. God has decided that he knows how to, how to forgive and how to forget, and we need to learn to do the same thing. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19, God speaking. He says, I call heaven and earth as witness today against you. Now, have you know that something important is about to be said? I mean, he's like making a major statement. He says, I call heaven and earth, he says, as a witness today against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live. You know, it's amazing, but the words we speak not only affect us, but they also affect our descendants. It's an amazing thing. One of the friends of one of my, one of my children, uh, it's a lovely young guy. I've met him in some years now, but just a lovely man. There was absolutely nothing wrong with him. But one of his parents uh, just honed in and began to speak words over that young man that just were not good words and kind of convinced him that something was wrong with him and in the end something was wrong with him. Uh, and then he got into the medical system and then by the time they finished with him, uh, uh, you know, I'm all for medication that helps, but certain medications just doesn't help, particularly in the area of kind of mental uh, things uh, and, and so forth and it kind of messed him up. And uh, so, you know, the Bible tells us here, he says, choose life that you and your descendants may live. So as parents, we've got a double responsibility and as grandparents, we've got a triple responsibility to speak words that are not only good for us, but good for our children and for our children's children. God says, choose life. I put before you life and death. Uh, it's not like God decided, okay, I'm going to give you death. Well, death entered in the Garden of Eden as a, as, as a result of Adam's uh, sin, and it's been there ever since. But God says, it is before you, and you choose. God says, you choose. Some people are duped into thinking, you know, the devil lies to them and uh, tricks them into thinking that God's determined a bad life for them. That God's determined for some people to be rich and some people to be poor. That God's determined for some people to be healthy and for some people to be sick. For some people to have a good life and some to have a bad life. But God says, you choose yourself. You choose it yourself. I said before you, life and death. So God's telling us that we can choose the kind of life that we experience. And how do we do that? Well, specifically, we choose life and blessing, but only speaking life words and blessing words. You know, we're at the beginning of a year, of another new year, and it's common for people to make New Year's resolutions, and that's a good thing. But I'd encourage you this morning to make one of your main New Year's resolution to tame your tongue and to only speak life, and to only speak blessing. And part of the language of faith, and by the way, we are faith people. We are born again, we are filled with the Spirit. The Bible teaches us that we are called to walk by faith and not by sight. So we don't say everything that we see. We speak faith instead. When we see something bad, we don't need to add our agreement to it, but we speak faith instead. And part of the language of faith is that we learn how to communicate things that are in themselves negative, but to do it in a way that it doesn't hurt us or it doesn't hurt other people. For example, people say, oh, I always do that. Well, that's not a good thing to say because always uh, includes your future. 
All right? I always make that same mistake. You know, just a simple thing is to say, you know, in the past, I used to do that. You know what I've just done? But, but that one phrase, by saying, in the past, I've relegated something that's negative and, and bad into the past, and it doesn't dog me in the future. Uh, and so we learn the language of faith. So people say, oh, I can't say certain things. Well, you know, if, uh, you know it's, you, you, when you're dealing with negative situations, you've got to be able to communicate things. Uh, uh, if there is sickness or if there's major financial issues or something, we, we can verbalize these things, but we do it in such a way that it doesn't dog us in the future. We, we kind of take the sting out of it by being very wise and very purposeful. And the main thing is don't speak your tongue. Don't speak your mind, rather. Just take your time and say, how am I going to say that so it doesn't affect me in my life in the future? So, as I say, we say, in the past, this and this and that and that used to happen. But, you know, in the past, I couldn't pay my bills. But now, my God supplies all of my needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. You know, in the past, I used to have this problem with this sickness, but, 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 but I'm healed by the stripes of Jesus. And so, you know, whoever you speak to and however you say that, just be wise and choose your words carefully. But certain things don't need to be said at all. You know, I do get around people sometimes and, say, and I'm thinking, why are we talking about that? Why, why are we verbalizing? This is not helping me. This is not helping the person that's speaking. This is not, not adding anything. It's like, why are we talking about certain things? So certain things should just be eliminated out of our lives. Proverbs 18.21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they who indulge in it shall eat the fruit of it for death or life. So, death and life are not in the power of the devil. Death and life is in the power of the tongue. The devil doesn't have the power to kill you. He does not have that authority. But the devil will work against you to give you thoughts of death and pictures of death and get you to verbalize death and to kind of expect death. When I say death, I don't mean necessarily physically dying. But, you know, death to finances, death to a business deal, death to a marriage, and so forth. But just one of my sister-in-laws, uh, her best friend was uh, a lady that, went to, that I went to school with. And we just found out the other day as we were talking that this lady died uh, of cancer just a few years ago. Um, prior to her dying, her younger sister dying, died two months earlier. And prior to her sister dying two months earlier, their mother died uh, some years ago, all around a kind of a similar age. And, you know, people might stand back and shoot from the hip and say, oh, gosh, there's something bad that runs in the family here. But you know what? Confession, negative confession sometimes runs in the family. And people experience certain things ongoing. And it's not that God has determined bad things for them, but they just haven't learned to speak life. They, they only know how to speak death. And sometimes people got things nagging in the back of their minds. They think, oh, well, you know, this happened to my father at this age, and then my mother is probably going to happen to me too. And, you know, that's called fear. And fear is faith in reverse. And by fearing things and verbalizing our fear, we can bring things to pass without realizing that we're actually the cause of our own problems. 
So don't speak your fears. Speak your faith. Praise God. Is everybody all right this morning? Some of you are sitting there like a little bit stunned, like, uh, <laughs> hallelujah. All death and cursing words need to be eliminated from our vocabulary. Instead, we need to learn to speak only life and blessing words. All right. So as I said, uh, uh, there is a way to learn how to speak neg negative things and to word things in such a way that it can't hurt us, that it will not hurt us, that we're not kind of embracing things into our lives because we haven't uh, kind of thought about uh, the way that we communicate. I want to speak to you about our tongue being like the rudder of our own lives. You know, we live in a seafaring nation. Uh, New Zealand is surrounded by sea. And prior to the advent of uh, aeroplanes, you couldn't go anywhere. You couldn't even arrive here without a ship or, in, or without a walker. All right. So, uh, and, and prior to aeroplanes, you couldn't go any, anywhere without a ship. You know, it's a known fact in this nation uh, that, uh, that every ship has a rudder. And uh, the rudder is the, uh, the little device uh, uh, that kind of determines as to whether the ship or the boat will go in this direction, will go straight on, or in that direction. To that effect, let me read to you from James chapter 3. Um, in fact, there's 10 verses I want to read to you. It's kind of a very potent, uh, uh, powerful um, uh, truth here that God is trying to get across to us. It says in verse 2, For we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he's a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. You know, if we get a handle on our tongue... Um, we can actually bridle our whole body. We can actually control our whole body. We can control whether we experience sickness or health. We can, uh, you know, determine as to what we actually experience if we're able to get a hold of our tongue. That's exactly what he's saying here. In verse 3, he goes on to say, Indeed, he says, we put bits in horses' mouth that they may obey us and we turn their whole body. Um, look also at ships, verse 4. Although they're so large and are driven by fierce winds, they're turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a forest a little fire kindles. Uh, what's he telling us? Well, telling us that, you know, when you have a little match, it's just a little thing. You can set a whole forest on fire with a little match. Um, I might have told you this story before, but uh, when I was at school um, as a little boy and uh, looking from the school over into the northern direction where the area of my family home was and the family farm, uh, the actual home was down in the valley, so you couldn't see the, the house, but you could see parts of our lands. And I looked over there and, uh, and there was uh, smoke coming up from, uh, from part of the land that had just been planted into uh, into trees some years prior to that, and the trees might have been, I don't know, two, three meters uh, high, and this thing was on fire. And I'm thinking, gosh, what's happening here? So anyway, by the time I got home, uh, a little time later, my sister was sitting in the lounge, and I said, what's happened? I said, was our forest on fire? She says, yeah. Well, who set it on fire? She says, I did. <laughs> 
is what I did. <laughs> so anyway, so what was happening? She, being young too, was playing with matches out there. You know, they, they say to keep your matches with you. Don't give them to kids. Well, sure enough, she hit the matches and she set the forest on fire. It's just as well that my parents were quick enough and some of the neighbors and they managed to get there quickly. And before even 10% uh, of the forest was burned up, they managed to put it out. And, uh, and so uh, a little match can set a whole forest on fire. And he's saying our tongue is like that. You know, the tongue is also called an unruly member. Uh, unruly meaning that it's not under control. And you know what? An unruly tongue will set a whole forest on fire. Uh, wars have been started over words that have been spoken. Multiplied thousands of people have been killed in wars and disasters have happened. Because somebody spoke uncontrolled words. It's incredible. So, verse 6, it says, And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature. And it is set on fire by hell itself. <laughs> One translation says, it's set on fire by hell itself. You know, the devil, if he wants to affect our lives anywhere, he wants to affect our tongue because he knows that our tongue will then affect our whole life and our surrounding and the whole deal. So the devil is after your tongue. Let me tell you that. And the way that he does that, he puts thoughts in our mouths and gives us pictures in the hope that we meditate on them long enough and then begin to verbalize them so he can mess up our whole lives. Uh, it's a tragic thing, but it's a bit like... Uh, you know, it's a bit like, uh, it's a bit like, um, you know, having a gun and putting a bullet into it ourselves and sort of holding it towards ourselves and pulling the trigger. That's exactly what the devil does. He just, uh, you know, he just loads the gun and he just loads people's minds uh, with thoughts and with, you know, with things. And when they begin to verbalize them, it affects their whole lives. For every kind of beast and bird, verse 7, of reptile... And creature of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind. So even back then already, uh, James was saying, look, he says, animals have been tamed. Even wild animals have been tamed. But he says, the tongue seems to be untamable. And now uh, don't, don't, don't hold, hold you, just stop right there. But this is not the end of the message. I've got good news. All right, James is like, uh, you know, the guy that kind of hits you right between the eye. Uh, he's, he's like, uh, he's not using euphemism. He's not using nice words. He'll just hit you as it is. And then somewhere along the line, he will give you the answer. And that's what he's doing here. He says, the tongue is set on fire by hell itself. He says, uh, wild animals have been tamed. But he says, the tongue seems to be just an unruly little member. You know, it's amazing. Uh, Got sometimes watching a movie where they got these people fighting with a grizzly bear that's about three meters tall. It's a tame one. Um, they somehow managed to do things in such a way to make it look real like he's a wild one, but he's actually a tame one. Imagine taming a whole grizzly bear. People manage to do that, but they don't manage to tame their own tongue. Isn't that amazing? Grizzly bear of three meters and a tongue of, I don't know how long's a tongue, a couple of inches or something. I mean, how amazing is that? Is everybody with me this morning? <laughs> All right. It says, but no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil 
full of deadly poison. With it we bless God and our God and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the similitude of God. Verse 10, for out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. They ought not to be so. He says, he says that's not how it's supposed to be. That is not how God has created it. Uh, he says it's not supposed to be this way. He says, does, does a spring carry forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? He's giving us, again, a natural picture. He says, if a spring has got bitter water, it's always bitter. Or a spring has got fresh water, it's always fresh water. It's not one or the other. But he says, with people, he says, out of the same mouth, out of the same opening, he says, you get blessing and cursing coming out at the same time. These things ought not to be so. Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives, or a grapevine bear figs? Thus, no spring yields both salt and fresh. All right, so that's like, uh, that's what James is telling us here. But I want you to focus on the... Uh, Wording here in verses 4 and verses 5, it speaks about ships. It says, they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. Even so, the tongue. Even so, the tongue. Now, if you look at other translations uh, uh, of uh, English translations of the, of the Bible, we will find that the word even so is translated in the same manner or similarly or I put two more, one too many lalas in there. Similarly, um, <laughs> likewise, likewise, he said, ships and rudders and people and their tongue. Ships and are, are, are driven and, and are turned by rudders and people's lives are directed by the tongue, by the words that they speak. That's what he's saying here. You know, I did a little research, and I'm certainly no expert in this area at all, but a little research on uh, rudders, uh, on ships, or just on boats, just a dinghy. Everything's got a rudder. Uh, otherwise, you can't put it into the water because you can't determine its direction. Um, and, you know, I found out that the size of a ship's rudder is always determined by the size of the ship itself. In fact, specifically, what they do is they measure the uh, longitudinal area of a ship's hull along the side, um, and particularly the part that's below the water is very important. They measure that, and also the part that's above it, because the part below the water is subject to, to, to currents uh, and to tides, and the part above the water is subject to winds. So based on the size of the side of the ship, in very simple terms, they have to determine the size of the rudder. How do you know that you cannot take a rudder off of a little dinghy that's sitting down there in the harbor and try to put it on one of those big ocean liners and sail around the world? It's just not going to happen. All right. Similarly, you wouldn't want to have it the other way either. You take one of those big rudders that's, uh, you know, meters high and meters long and put it on a little dinghy there. You're going to sink the thing. All right. But you know what? Uh, depending on our responsibility, some of us need a bigger rudder, and we need to be more circumspect, uh, uh, because as I said before, not only do we affect our own uh, life physically uh, and financially in every other way, in relationships, but we affect our surrounding. So we need to be very, very careful. Uh, if you're in business, 
You need to be careful what you speak of over your business, all right? If you just work for somebody, you know, you still got to be careful what you say. But, you know, if, if the whole business is your responsibility, watch what you say, all right? So, in fact, uh, this is just, just information here, but we divide the area of the ship's hull by the area of the ship's rudder, we will get a ratio of about 0 0.015. Now, I'm not a mathematician, and I don't understand uh, all the ins and outs, but one thing that struck me, it's like uh, what the Bible says here, that the ships uh, have only got a small little rudder. The rudder is actually only a small part of the whole ship. Yet it absolutely determines the direction where it goes. If we didn't know any better, if we were, wouldn't be seafaring people, say if we came from another planet where they haven't got water and they haven't got seas or lakes or rivers and we see a boat and somebody would explain to us that that little thing that's uh, sort of in the back here determines where this thing goes, like what? It's only a little, a little part of the boat. Look at the whole size, but that's absolutely how it works. And people might say, what? Our tongue is just, it's just a tongue. Well, with our tongue, we formulate words, and those words will absolutely determine the direction of our lives. So the point is this, that the rudder is indeed a very small part of a huge ship, which is subject to, to fierce winds and, and ocean currents and, 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 and tides and what have you, uh, yet it determines the direction of the ship is the captain operates and controls this thing as he turns the wheel, which nowadays, uh, however that works. Uh, in fact, we managed to get on the ferry with, uh, with our family from Austria just a few days ago and, and took a day trip over and came back again. And what a marvelous experience. It's like that, that stretch of water is like one of the most beautiful parts of the whole world. I've been on other ferry crossings before, but this is absolutely spectacular. I remember many years ago when Vanessa and I were in Bible college, we had a... Uh, one of the captains uh, uh, of the Cook Strait Ferry there was in the church that we were a part of, and he decided that he was going to give us an experience. So he invited some of us Bible college students to go along and have a little tour of the ship, and it was just a whole funny experience. Uh, but, you know, one thing he says after he invited us into, uh, into his captain's quarters there and sort of entertained us there. And, you know, I discovered that these people eat better up that way than what they do where the commoners eat and buy their own food. I was amazed, like, at the quality of food up there. It was just awesome. But anyway, he had a little chat with us, and of course he knew that we were in Bible college and that we were learning things and so forth and he talked about the rudder of the ship and he says look he says I haven't done my maths yet he says but I wouldn't be surprised if we ran the maths and had a comparison of the size of the ship and the size of the rudder and took a comparison against the human body the size of the body or the weight of the body and the size of the tongue he says we will find that those ratios will be very very similar isn't that amazing isn't that amazing so, you know, the point is this, that you're the captain of your own ship. You set the course of your ship by the decisions that you make in your own heart. And then your tongue is the rudder of your ship, which ultimately determines the direction of your life. So God says, choose life. Choose blessing. Don't speak your mind. Eliminate certain words and certain phrases out of your life all together. So it's been interesting uh, getting amongst people who haven't learned faith, um, uh, I guess with holidays and family around and you know, not saved and not understanding. All good people, all good people, don't get me wrong. 
But you know, you can certainly hear faith when you hear it, and you can also hear death language uh, when you hear it, and you can recognize it. Once you've been trained in this area, you can hear it, and you can recognize it. Um, and so it's a very interesting thing. Let me talk to you about some signs of what an untamed, an untamed tongue looks like or sounds like certain manifestations. You know, seeing it is uh, the tongue is the rudder of our lives, um, we need to bring it under control. <laughs> How many of you, you wouldn't want to be on a ship where the, where the devil is in control uh, and he's literally, he's physically, literally uh, uh, sort of directing the ship, but the rudder is he turns that steering wheel. You wouldn't want that. Well, similarly, we don't want the devil to be in charge of our tongue by uh, manipulating us to speak words that in the end will hurt us. You know, something that consistently happens in people with an untamed tongue is complaining, just griping, just negativity, complaining, whining, murmuring. The Bible calls it murmuring. Uh, the Bible speaks of uh, the five sins of Israel that kept them out of the promised land. And one of those was murmuring. The other one was tempting Christ. The other one was committing fornication, which is sex outside of marriage and so forth. But murmuring, people think, what? It's just, you know, saying a few words. Murmuring, the Bible says God hates the whole area of murmuring. And that was one of the five sins that kept the Israelites out of the promised land. And guess what? It'll keep us out of the promised land too. Uh, if we engage in murmuring and in complaining and in whining and in whinging and so forth. Now, it may not keep us out of heaven, but it keeps us out of our promised land in terms of all the good things that God's prepared for us in this life that we will not experience because our mouth has taken us in the wrong direction. Gossiping. Um, praise God. I was going to get the quote that uh, the wife of... Uh, American President uh, Roosevelt uh, once made, she made a very wise statement. Um, she talked about, you know, small minds and big minds. And she says, small minds always talk about other people, but big minds talk about ideas and concepts and, and things. But small minds always talk about other people. You can soon know whether you're around a, a person with a small mind, because they're always harping on about somebody else. They're always, they're always, there's always gossip going on, tail-bearing uh, um, kind of stuff about other people. Um, and uh, kind of, uh, you know, Kenneth Hagin used to say, he says, uh, he says, you don't make your, your own candle shine brighter by blowing out somebody else's candle. I thought that was a wise statement. I thought that was very clever. Uh, so so let's, let's not talk about other people. Yes, yes, sure, we see things in their lives that could be better, but, you know, the always range and always harp on comes out of an untamed tongue. Then quarreling, people that easily engage in a fight. You know, some, some people like, you know, if, if you want to fight them, just find wherever there's a quarrel going on, and they're usually in the middle of it. I can't find so-and-so. Well, find out where there is a fight. Go there and you'll find that they're right in the middle of it. I mean, how tragic is that? But it comes out of an unruly tongue. Then there is sickness words. You know, you know what sickness words are? Signal, oh, that, that makes me sick. Well, <laughs> that's not a good thing to say. 
We might say, well, I feel nauseated by that. Well, you know, it's one thing to feel nauseated, but sick is a cover term that covers all sorts of sickness, including terminal illness and everything. So let's not use that sickness word. So, and people say, you know, they, they use poverty words. Um, you get amongst rich people and you hear no poverty language. They have weaned themselves off of it. They've spoken prosperity. And it's been part of the catalyst to move them into a life of prosperity, even unsafe people. And then there's the can't do words. Oh, I could never do that. Oh, I know, I know, I know, but I, I can't do that. That's just not, that's just, um, you know. So we need to be very careful. We need to tame our tongue and eliminate those words out of our lives. Just a couple of scriptures here to put some context to this whole thing here. Uh, Philippians 2.14, he says, do everything without grumbling and arguing. Everything. Circle the word everything. You, you mean to say I can't grumble at all? No. You mean to say I can't argue at all? No. He says do everything without grumbling and without arguing. The Living Bible says in everything you do, Stay away from complaining and arguing. Why? Because God knows that this is one of the sins that kept Israel, one of the five sins that kept them out of the promised land, and it keeps Christians out of their blessings and out of their prosperity and out of their health and everything because of these words. And, uh, and let me uh, talk to you about some signs of a tamed tongue. A tongue that's been, you know, the bridle's been put on it. Uh, this thing is now under control. People who have a tame tongue are recognized by these signs. There's thankfulness there. And, you know, I just find it so refreshing getting around people that are just thankful. You know, gratitude is a condition of the heart where people are just grateful. You're grateful for the country that we live in, for the good things that we have around us, grateful for our family, but thankfulness is what comes out of our mouth. So gratitude is an issue of the heart, but thankfulness is what then comes out. And uh, kindness. <laughs> kindness. I remember Cole Stringer was at our church here many years ago, and he brought a message on kindness that I thought was very potent and very powerful. But, you know, after you strip it all down, I'm, you know, no matter who will bring the message, after you strip it all down, it's actually not even any deep theology. It's just a very simple message, but it's very powerful. Sometimes people look for the complicated answer, answers to their problems, but it's many times the simple things that can fix our problems. Just be thankful. Colossians 3.15 says, Let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. <laughs> okay. Everybody say, be thankful. <laughs> you know what? That's not just a suggestion. That is absolutely a command. God says, be thankful. Hallelujah. Be thankful for the air that you breathe. My goodness, how good it is to be able to breathe. Be thankful for the for the for the the food that you're able to eat. You know, Vanessa and I many years ago caught up with some uh, with some friends of ours. And we had lunch together, and uh, we sort of thought, oh, it would be good if somebody gave thanks for the food. And they said, oh, you know, we don't have to be religious. But it's not about being religious. It's about an attitude. That for a brief moment, we might bow our head and say, God, we want to thank you for the food that we're about to eat. <laughs> 
that's another little thing, you know, when you listen to people give thanks and, and you know, we have certain phrases that we repeat in certain sentences and, and bless it to our body. You know, English is my second language. And, and I'm always listening because I want to speak good English. I want to make an effort to speak good English. And I'm trying to understand the grammar. And I've still, uh, to this day, I'm wrestling with that phrase, blessed to our body. To? Somebody might be able to help me afterwards and come and, and lecture me and <laughs> give me understanding as to how that works. Anyway, let's, let's not, let's not uh, complain. Let's not talk about uh, uh, grammar here. Let's just not get caught up in that. <laughs> he says, be thankful. Be thankful. People say, let's say grace. Um, I'm okay with that. We say in our families, let's give thanks. Can somebody give thanks, please? And then um, say, well, 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 you're the head of the house. You, you give thanks. Well, I'm happy to do that, but I'm, I, want other, I want to hear from other people. <laughs> Let everybody give thanks. We'll be grateful, Lord, that we can be together as a family and enjoy uh, some food. It is your provision that's sitting on the table here before us. God says, be thankful. Be thankful. A friend of mine, um, many years ago now, had uh, very bad news. He had basically uh, uh, an illness that was terminal. It was basically a death sentence. And uh, he ended up getting a, uh, an organ transplant, and he got another 10 years out of it. And uh, it was interesting getting around him. He says, oh, gosh, he says, I'm, I'm just so grateful for life. You know, when suddenly things are under threat, we appreciate things a bit more. Let us not get under threat for losing the provision that's on the table before us or, or the air that we're able to breathe or anything else. Let's just be thankful. Be thankful. Be thankful. Proverbs 31, um, uh, verse uh, 26, he says, and by the way, that speaks about the virtuous woman. But how do you know that men need to be virtuous as well? So it's not just about placing that a demand on a, on a woman. It's, it's the demand is on all of us, main, male or female. It says, she opens her mouth with wisdom, and on her tongue is the law of kindness. It's not just the occasional kind word, but it's a law that's always there. There's the law of kindness. And then it also speaks in another part. And we haven't got time to get into all the scriptures. There's loads. There's loads. The Bible speaks of a, of a contentious woman. And it's not picking about women because you can get contentious men. A contentious woman is like a continual dripping tap. Just drip, drip, drip. After a while, it's like you don't want to hear no more. And whether that's a man or a woman, it doesn't matter. So, you know, it says, in her tongue is the law of kindness and in a man's tongue, there should also be the law of kindness. Let me wrap up quickly now with uh, uh, two steps on uh, how to tame our tongue. Um, <clears throat> number one, renew your mind to the Word of God. And number two, pray in the Spirit. Now, this is not necessarily all the aspects that we need to engage in, but it's certainly the major part of it. You know, we could add to that. It's like get around positive people. You know, when you join a small group, you get around people of faith, and that will absolutely help you. 
uh, with your tongue. It's getting around other people. And suddenly you realize, you know, that certain things are just no longer appropriate to say. I remember when I first came to New Zealand and I was learning English and I was in amongst a rough lot. And then I came in amongst civilized people and I spoke as I had learned it. And I used words that I didn't even know they were swear words. And suddenly I got sort of some reactions and some, like, some shocked looks. And I suddenly realized this is not a good word. This is not a good word. Um, and so, you know, if you, you get somebody around you uh, that's from another country and that's learning English, don't, don't teach them swear words. That's not a good thing to do. That's, that's quite cruel, really, because he will just use the words and then get in amongst civilized people and suddenly they stiffen up. You know, that's what's happened to me. So when you get, get in amongst a small group with other people, suddenly you realize certain things are not appropriate anymore. So there's a number of things that we can do. Um, and, uh, and as I say, if we really go all out and, and somebody that will join Bible college, for one year, minimum, one year, you will not recognize yourself by the time you get to the end of that year. Because it will absolutely revolutionize the way that you speak. Uh, Pastor Vanessa was uh, just teaching us before, uh, I guess, kind of prophetic teaching about the area of praise and worship and entering into God's presence. In our Bible college, the teaching that we have on praise and worship is the best that I've ever heard anywhere. I mean, me, me have been in Bible college. Had some teaching on it. That was great. But and, and I've been to seminars. I've been to seminars and and to meetings around the place. But what we have in our Bible college is the best teaching on praise and worship uh, from anywhere. And we've been able to enhance some of that and to bring sort of an edge to it that is absolutely bring revolutionize people's lives. So there's a number of things that we can do. But let me just major on the two that we got written down. You know, as always, we're fighting with time, we're fighting with the clock, and we're fighting with space. We're already on the fourth page, and we never do a fifth page in our outline. We only do four pages. Try, uh, renew your mind to the Word of God. Uh, Romans 12:2. do not be conformed to this world. So don't speak like everybody else. It says, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Let there be a transformation. I tell you what, if you knew me in my hidden days and, and, and you know me today, you'd realize that there's a major transformation that's taken place. All right? Just in, in, in all areas, but specifically in the area uh, of speaking words. He says, he says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Uh, Ephesians 4, verse 22 uh, basically says the same thing and just using different words. It says, put off concerning your former conduct or your former lifestyle or your previous lifestyle. How do you know that now that we're Christians, we live a different lifestyle? He's talking about the previous lifestyle from the previous life. He says, put it off. It says, the old man which grows corrupt according to deceitful lusts. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And you know, I found that sometimes people can get their minds renewed and think they have arrived and think they can slacken off. And then you get around them. Uh, uh, and you know, sometimes people say, oh, you know, church is not that important. You know, we know the Bible now. And you know, the preacher, he doesn't tell us anything new. And, and you know, you meet them again nine months later and you listen to them and you cannot believe what's coming out of their mouth. Because renewal happens. Be renewed. Renewing. Renewing is, is, a, is a constant. It's not just a one-time one event. And sometimes, you, and sometimes you, you get around people that have been hanging out with the wrong crowd. And you, you can soon hear it. Because the Bible says that bad company corrupts good morals. Certain things we should not associate with. I remember a friend of ours, uh, 
Vanessa's in my minister, actually. Um, when we started the church, um, and we associated with a certain person that was also in ministry, and, you know, we've been taught that you believe the best of everybody, which we did, um, still do today, but we just didn't use a great deal of discernment. There's certain people we should not associate with. Anyway, we associated with that person, and our friend said, look, he says, I'm not telling you what to do, but I'm just cautioning you. I'm looking at this person's life, and there's a trail of disaster along the way. In relationship breaks down and problems, there's a whole trail of disaster. I'm concerned that there's going to be a repeat of that, and it'll draw you into, into this situation. And it's, oh, you know, everything's fine, you know, everything is okay. Well, it turns out that this person ripped somebody off to the tunes of hundreds of thousands of dollars. Sometimes you associate with people and you think they're all, everything, they've all been cleaned up. That the old man's dead and the new man's alive. And the reality is the old man reared its head. And, uh, and so, so certain, certain people, it's just not good to hang out with. We can talk to them, have a cup of coffee, but in terms of ongoing association, it's just, you know, just create a little distance. Uh, be renewed in the spirit of your mind that he put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. So that's speaking about renewing of the mind. The second point is praying in the spirit, speaking in tongues. People say, oh gosh, in this church, you really, oh, there's a lot of, uh, I hear speaking in tongues. Doesn't the Bible say you need to keep quiet? No, 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 the Bible says speak in tongues. That's what the Bible says. All right. Let me quickly bring out one scripture here. In 1 Corinthians 14:4, it says, He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. You know, there's people that kind of say, See, see, the Bible says that, uh, you know, if you speak in a tongue, you edify yourself. It would be better to edify the church. So don't speak in tongues. Listen, it's never been an either or, it's both. In fact, I would suggest that unless you know how to edify and build yourself up, you can't build anybody else up. So when you build up, and we get built up when we speak in tongues, and, uh, and then we're able to edify other people. Romans 8:26. likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. One translation says in our infirmities. One translation says in our ability. You know, James told us that the tongue cannot be tamed. Naturally speaking. But when we get into the realm of the Spirit, and the Holy Spirit helps us to kind of get a handle on our tongue and on the words that it wants to speak and begin to control this thing, this is how it happens. When we speak in tongues, there is a, a kind of a, a, a laying a hold of. There is a bridling. You know, speaking in tongues uh, for half an hour over here will have a positive effect over here when I get into a sticky situation. And in the old days, I would have just let rip. But now I'm able to just hold my tongue. Why? Because I've built myself up back here. And I've learned to get a control on my tongue. You know, it's even, it's even speaking in tongues is detrimental to the flesh. It's detrimental to the unrenewed mind. You know, speaking in tongues like the, the flesh rises up and says, huh, why are we doing this? I'm, I'm not even understanding what's being said. And, oh, you're repeating yourself, and what a, what a waste of time. No, 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 it is never a waste of time. You know, some of us have moved beyond all of that now. We don't, we don't realize what, what young Christians, when they get filled with the Holy Spirit, the 
same challenges that they're facing that we also faced and we move beyond and, and the devil tries to talk him out of it. Their flesh tries to talk him out of it. But speaking in tongues is absolutely one of the more powerful tools that God has given to us to get a hold of our tongue and to let it speak life only and not death. Jude 20, it says, but you, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Spirit. Praying in the Spirit. You know what a thrill it was to be able to pray for my brother and his wife on the way to the airport. We parked the car in the car park. I says, all right, let's do it. Let's do it. And I, I quickly just shared a couple of scriptures uh, so they had a bit of an understanding as to what we were doing and laid hands on them. And before you even get your hands on them, they're speaking in tongues. It's like, I mean, how awesome is that? Uh, for God to give them a powerful tool that will keep them in good stead if they engage and, and actually practice the speaking in tongues. I said, look, I said, speak in tongues at least 10 minutes a day. 20 minutes be better. All right, but at least 10 minutes a day. It'll just help you all around. You know, speaking in tongues consistently unhooks our tongue from the old nature and hooks it up to the new nature. Instead of speaking flesh-dominated talk, we end up speaking spirit-dominated talk. As I said before, you soon know when you get around people whether they're filled with the spirit, whether they're in the word, if they're praying or not, because it all comes out in the words that they speak. So let's commit this year. Let's make, let's make it a New Year's resolution that we're going to tame our tongue. And it's, it's, it's not just a one time. It's just an ongoing thing. Tame our tongue. And let's prophesy a good future. 